Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. My mental health really began to suffer during COVID. At first, life seemed normal. I work from home anyway. But as the months passed with no vacation, no friends to see, no change in routine, it was a bit like the walls were closing in. And one of the things that got me through that period was therapy. Talking to someone who could help change the patterns that led to distress was incredibly helpful. If there's something you need to get off your chest, then why not give BetterHelp a try? You can just fill out a brief questionnaire online and they'll match you with a licensed therapist. You can arrange things to suit your schedule, and if you don't click with the person you're talking to, it's easy to switch to someone else. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Byzantium today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Byzantium. Hello everyone, it's Robin here and I am sending you this message from Istanbul. I had hoped to uh, podcast more often but I've been absolutely exhausted. Uh, this is partly being English and uh, not being used to the heat and partly racing around carrying a tripod trying to uh, shoot everything I've seen. Um, I'm not talking from a script today, so you'll get all the ums and ahs you'd get in real life. Um, and uh, I have had an amazing time. Uh, I've gone through uh, very different emotions during the trip. Um, the first couple of days, I found out a couple of things I wanted to see were closed for refurbishment, um, which was a real downer. And I then visited the Hagia Sophia and Cora. And, you know, large parts of them are scaffolded off and being restored. Um, and I found the same over the next few days. On the flip side, I've found and been shown a load of things I didn't know were here. And everything is amazing that I've seen. And the variety has surprised me. The, you know, I've seen things I didn't plan on seeing. But even the things I knew well and I'd Google image search to death, it's just not the same. Um seeing them on a screen. The modern cameras are so good. They, they, they make you think um, things are smaller and have less depth than they really do. Uh, so yeah, it's been really positive. Uh, I, I am living the dream even in a very tired and sweaty state as I record this. Um, apologies for the different audio quality I am recording on my phone, and if you hear annoying taps, that is me scrolling on my phone to remind myself uh, of what to talk about. So day one I arrived uh, quite sleep deprived, but I went to the Hagia Sophia. I had to go. It was very surreal seeing it for the first time. I don't think it hit me, um, the emotion of being there until I went up into the galleries. Because you walk in 
and there's a lot of scaffolding. It's still amazing that the building is vast and because of the design with the two semi-domes um, supporting the main dome and no arches in your way, you just are shocked by how wide and vast and tall the building is with nothing obscuring your view. But it's only when I went up to the galleries and you're so much closer to the architecture and the walls and yet it's still vast and the dome is still high above you that it really hit me where I was. And you see the mosaics and you see places where people would have stood and even the the walkways impressed me. I'd never really thought about how you get up to the gallery. Um, You kind of assume there'll be a staircase but no, it's a very elegant walkway that winds up and up and up. So yeah, that was amazing. Uh, And then day two I went to Cora um, which is the church out by the walls that still has um, a lot of its original mosaics and frescoes and gives you a real idea of what the Hagia Sophia and other churches would have looked like. And that was fantastic. You get a real visual statement of Byzantine Christian belief and some very powerful images, even in a relatively small church and even with parts of it closed off. So that was a great start, and I was just kind of testing the cameras and testing the tripod and testing my endurance. Day three, I went absolutely everywhere around the palace. I was shown around by the man behind the Byzantine Legacy website, and I've shared his uh, Facebook page, but check it out. You can Google Byzantine Legacy, and pretty much anything, um, Istanbul, Constantinople, uh, he's got it covered. The site is still developing. Um but he's doing fantastic work and he's very generous with his time and he showed me around. There are, oh, I mean, 15, 20 places where you can go underground and see parts of the palace. Obviously, you probably know about the Basilica Cistern, but there are, I don't know, half a dozen other cisterns and then just bits of the palace in restaurants, in bakeries, in travel agents, several hotels. Um, wherever there's been, wherever it's been excavated, and they found stuff underground, um, and if you know who to ask, you can see it. So that was fantastic. Um, and I have to say, you know, um, restoration has been a thing here. Um, a lot of criticism of some of the restoration, but there's also a lot of great stuff. You know, there's one hotel who'd converted a whole area into a restaurant and bar, and even um, looked like they had nightclub you know, had dancing around these columns and sort of the walls of an old cistern. And, you know, it's a way to maintain them and keep them in use without damaging them. And I've seen that all over the city. You know, there's an art installation in uh, an an old cistern. Um, Obviously, the motorway, you know, the highway runs through the arches of the aqueduct of Valence. So I'm quite impressed with the way um, the Byzantine relics are kept alive in most parts of the city. Uh, Day four, I went on another tour with an excellent local guide. Um, And we went several places, but the the highlight were going into two mosques, which are former Byzantine churches. Um, The Miraleon, Romanus Lecapinos' church, and the Theotikos Kyriotissa, um, which has a really interesting history and was taken over by Catholic monks and churchmen uh, during the occupation by the crusaders and really interesting stuff to see and talk about there and um, you know I've not really been in a mosque before and you know one of the imams was so friendly and showed us pictures of 
the restoration and just very made us feel very welcome. So that was a really great experience. Uh, on day five, I was kind of around the Hippodrome. Um, the Hippodrome just, you kind of think, well, there's three things to see there. You know, the three remaining um, parts of the Spina. And you've got a couple of obelisks there. And I just thought this won't be much to look at. But of course, they're massive. They're giant. And what's left of the Byzantine artwork there is is really impressive. But then you can kind of see um, the substructure, the foundations of the Hippodrome. Um, you get a sense of how vast it is. Um, there's a museum, another great example of um, uh, using an old cistern underground, turning it into a museum about the Hippodrome. And that's exciting. Again, um, if any of you have been to the website Byzantium 1200, th um, the guy behind that has collaborated heavily to create this museum. So that's really exciting to see. Um, there's a mosaic museum showing mosaics from the palace from Justinian's day. Uh, we went into the Church of St. Sergius and Bacchus, built again by Justinian. And, uh, you know, my uh, camera person said that was the most beautiful church. And you really get a sense of when the empire was a superpower, when you see that church, just beautifully designed columns and use of space. Uh, and then uh, yesterday I walked the walls um, about halfway along the Theodosian. But yeah, walking the walls, obviously very exciting. Uh, I was only able to climb up the outer walls um, for a part of it. Yeah, the, it was great. It was fantastic to see the walls. It was a very hot, long day walking them, uh, but I got a lot of good photos and videos, so exciting. Uh, today, I have been in the Basilica system and a couple of other systems, which is very pleasant when it's so hot outside, and uh, the Basilica system is very atmospheric, um, and there is music playing in there and everything, but it's very dark, and uh, you can get some great photos. Just a lot of good stuff. Um, all over the place. The archaeological museum is amazing. The gardens there have, I don't know, 500 or <laughs> pieces of Byzantine sculpture or columns or capitals. Um, there's Greek and Latin inscriptions over everything. As I say, just an amazing array of Roman and Byzantine stuff is still here and is still visible, and I am documenting it all. Um, I think that's it for today. I obviously will have a thousand other thoughts. I have met with local tour guides who are very positive and very keen to run tours for us. And so that is great news. I've spoken to local Turkish people about Byzantine history. I've responded to the Kickstarter backers' questions and things they wanted to know. It's been uh, a huge amount of work. It's obviously been a pleasure, but I am, as I say, very tired. So I'm keeping this brief. I just wanted to say hi. I just wanted to say thank you all so much for sending me here. And I will bring back as much of the wonder as I can and uh, make audio and video out of it. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're enjoying the episodes I pre-recorded and I will be back with you soon.